Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, howdy, hey, good morning, and how are you, my friends? Welcome to the Michael Dukes Show Broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the internet. Oh, eh, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a good week. It's going to be a good week. I am um, rested, recharged, rejuvenated. I had a fantastic weekend. Uh was down in uh Homer uh over the weekend and uh got a chance to see some of my favorite people and do some of my favorite things and eat some of my favorite food and just it was amazing. It was amazing. It was fantastic. Uh but now we're back. We're back to the grind. Oh man. Oh, we're back to the grind. Uh, we're ready to uh, ready to go. Um, yeah, it looks like. Is it me or fall is in the air? Holy cow, cow! It is, uh, man. <clears throat> little snow in Fairbanks, and uh, and uh, uh, Kenneth up in uh, Fairbanks just said it snowed a little bit just now at work. Just <laughs> it was a cold and rainy. I drove back up from uh, Homer on Sunday. And um, it was like uh, monsoon, torrential rains all the way down. It's been cold and wet. How can fall be? It's only the first week in August. How could how could fall be here so quickly? I mean, I'm not going to complain, but man, this is come on, come on. I need a little bit of Indian summer. Can you hook a brother up, please? Please hook a brother up. And uh, give him uh, a little bit more summer before we get back up into that uh, cold, cold winter time. Can we do that, please? Just I'm asking for a friend. Um. All right. Well, <clears throat> welcome back to the program. I'm. I guarantee you, I'm going to be all messed up this week because today's Tuesday, and uh, you know it feels like Monday. So it's uh, one of those things. But we are going to dive into this and uh, be be ready to go. Let's, uh, let's, let's get some stuff going on, shall we? Um, on the program today, we are going to be talking with, um, uh, we're going to be talking with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He is going to be, uh, joining me and, uh, we're going to talk about the weekly top three. The top three things, uh, today include, a look at um, uh, include a look at the uh, the candidates and what all of these questions and answers and these interviews 
have done for them. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of interviews out there in the various newspapers and uh, news outlets and everything else, and uh, it will uh, it will g- give us a little bit of an idea of what um, of where they stand on certain things. And so that's going to be the first thing. The second uh, item is going to be you know just more proof positive that. Uh, well, Governor Dunleavy just is really not that serious about um, really not that serious about holding the line in spending, and why the fourth place in the governor's race matters is actually number two, and then the third one is Dunleavy. So I just I don't want to get him out of order, but there you go. Three big things uh, with Brad Keithley uh, for Alaskans for sustainable budgets. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be good. It's going to be enjoyable. Then in hour two, we're going to get a chance to sit down and talk with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who's going to come in and give us uh, our weekly life coaching lesson, positivity boost, our PMA uplift, whatever, however you want to call it, whatever it is. He's going to be uh, joining us and uh, talking with us this morning about something uplifting and uh I don't know. Maybe we can talk him into talking about some politics, too. It's, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Speaking of politics, can I tell you how much I enjoyed not um, reading about all the political madness that's going on? Uh, um, <laughs> going on? <laughs> I mean, Oh, man. Uh, I guess Trump's house gets raided by the FBI. There's a hue and cry about it. Um, I don't know exactly what happened. I I read a little bit about it, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things. And then, but I will say there was one story that I read this weekend. um, And uh, I was looking over my, we were waiting to have breakfast over at... um, uh, Duncan's Diner in Homer, and my wife was scrolling through her phone, and I was just sitting there, people watching. And I look down, and I see the, uh, um, I see the uh, headline, and uh, it said, uh, "With less than two weeks to go in Alaska's U.S. House race, Palin went to the lower forty-eight. And I was like, "What? That? No, come on, that's just." That's just hyperbole. That wouldn't happen. I mean, you know, we got two weeks to go, and this is where the rubber meets the road, and she wouldn't possibly. So I pulled out my phone, gets my better judgment. I logged into the story, and I was like, what? No, no, it's true. She was in Minneapolis when everybody else is. I, she was speaking at CPAC, so, okay, that's a, it's a big deal. Um, but at the same time, you're two weeks from the, I mean, <clears throat> What? 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 Uh, Anyway, so that was the only story that I read the whole time that I was on vacation. And um, you know what? Uh, It was perfect. Blissful. Blissful. What was that? Was that that's that line from the uh, Matrix uh, as the guy chews the big fat piece of steak and he says, I've decided ignorance is bliss. That's kind of where I was at this weekend. I just wanted to be ignorant for a little bit. Just leave all that craziness behind me, and away we go. All right. <clears throat> well, um, a couple of the big headlines. Obviously, that was a big one. The um, the raid at Mar-a-Lago is another thing, which I 
you know, personally, I, I'm not going to really get into, but uh, I see that it's there. Uh, so I do acknowledge it as a headline for those of you who are reading that on the uh, on the outside. Um, a good piece of news um, for those people who have been searching for justice for David Grunewald, Edie Grunewald's 16-year-old son who was murdered in 2016. Uh, Eric Almendinger, who is the first of the four teenagers who were charged, uh, was sentenced yesterday to 99 years in prison. Um, the four teenagers, who were all now young adults, I mean, this again, this took place, I mean, can you believe it was eight years ago? Eight years ago. 2016 was the murder. Um, his first sentencing hearing, Almond, Almendinger's first sentencing hearing, was in 2019. The wheels of justice roll excruciatingly slowly. It has been three years since his first sentencing hearing, uh, March of 2019. But he has now been uh, sentenced to serve um, 99 years. He claimed full responsibility for um, the killing. And uh, apologized to the family, but by that time, Ben and Edie had already left the courtroom. And uh, he is going to uh, go to the big house with many doors for many, many, many years. Two others have already been sentenced. Uh, Johnson has been sentenced to 99 years. And Barrett, who reached a plea agreement um, to serve, uh, he reached a plea agreement to serve 45 years. He pleaded guilty to second-degree murder. Um <clears throat> So, uh, at least uh, three of the four are done, and we got one more, one more to go, and uh, that should be, uh, I think that should be the end. I believe all of them, Dominic Johnson, Bradley Renfro, Austin Barrett. So, we're waiting on Renfro uh, to be sentenced, um, I think, is the is the last one in there. But good news for the Grunewald family, at least one more is on the way. I can't imagine... Um, I mean, I just can't imagine reopening this wound um, over and over and over again. And the length of time that it's taken uh, has just been, I mean, it's been five years since they were all arrested. It was six years since the murder, five years since they were all picked up and incarcerated and uh, just absolutely mm, insane. But there we go. Um, good news and justice uh, in the long run for David in that respect. So, uh, uh, good news on that front. There was an interesting article, uh, in the ADN yesterday, uh, talking about Alaska's childcare, uh, and how childcare is in crisis. And, uh, but the market conditions are perfect for small, uh, entrepreneurs who want to start their own business. And this whole article, and we're not going to have enough time to get into it now. Uh, I'm just looking up at the clock right now. We're not going to have enough time to get into it now. But it is interesting to read a, a couple things about this. Uh, the fact that it, it's going to chronicle the story of three um, workers who were um, child care workers who worked in small schools or preschool programs and how they left their big jobs during or midterm COVID or just after COVID started and all began their own businesses in dealing with smaller, either pod learning or Montessori style in-home uh, child care and everything else. 
And it's something that I realized reading halfway through the story, I realized that I never really had to deal with because my wife was a stay-at-home mom and we never had to deal with uh, the child care issue. And um, I, I want to talk a little bit about that. And uh, we'll – I'm sure I'm not going to be popular with everybody, but I gave up on that a long time ago. Anyway, it'll be interesting to discuss and maybe when we get into hour two, we'll have time to kind of break that down a little bit and talk about that. Um, but meanwhile, you know what? We should just go. We should just go. We should just go take the break. That's really what's going on. Um, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll be diving into it. We'll uh, be talking with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. The Michael Duke Show continues. Your own for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more right after this. What is that? Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Okay, good morning, good morning, Jarrett. Good to meet you as well this weekend. It was uh, fun stuff. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry I missed you on the peninsula, Jeremy. <clears throat> All right. Um, Stedman Walker, Dunleavy Walker and Stedman seen yesterday at the landing in K-Town breakfast. Uh, okay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm looking. Yeah. And she missed the Willow candidate meeting read on Saturday. Taking my chances with Nick. I don't want to deal with a woman that's afraid to talk to Alaskans. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it makes a difference where the candidate is at, says Willie. Every single person I know has already made up their mind on the congressional seats. Mm, okay. Um, all right. Well, let's see. Brad uh, Keithley is probably listening right now. And Brad, I'm not sure. Do you want to try the new thing or do you want to just, should we just do Zoom? Um, I mean, we know Zoom works. We know Zoom works. So I guess we could, uh, I guess we should do that. Um, because, you know, we know it works. And I didn't talk to you about it ahead of time. So it's okay. It's okay. I was going to, um, I got the new software. I'm feeling pretty good about it. You see all the video guests I had last week? Mayor Charlie Pierce and the thing and all that. That was amazing. Come on. Well, I think Zoom works. It's trying to work right now. All right. <clears throat> The host will let you in soon. Look at that. The host is, oh my God, he's going to blow my ears out. I forgot to turn down the volume. Uh, come on, come on, log in. There we go. Oh, let me turn this down. Ugh. All right. Turn down the volume. Okay. I think we got it turned down. I think we're ready to go. Hello, Brad. You got this, you got this whole conversation going with me and I'm trying to answer you. <laughs> you're trying to answer me and realize you're not connected. I'm just having a conversation with you. Yeah. 
And I wasn't being responsive, was I? Yeah, no, you weren't being – well, I wasn't expecting you to be responsive. That was really more of a monologue directed at you, so it's all it's all good. <laughs> uh, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing great, and it sounds like you're in really great shape also. Man, you know what? I just – it was so good to just get away from everything for uh, a little bit. I didn't get to spend as much uh, uh, what I like to call beach watching time as I normally do, uh, which is where I just sit in a chair and watch the beach um, and let my mind float free for, you know, and think about, think deep thoughts. I didn't get as much of that as I normally do, but it was still pretty fantastic. It was not, it was definitely not a bad uh, weekend. How about yourself? Um, it was great. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm in Illinois and, uh, helping my mother out a little bit and, um, it, the weather here cooperated. And so it's great. It's a nice, nice day, uh, nice day here today. And so I'm out on the porch and, yeah. and enjoy, enjoying the weather. All right. Fantastic. All right. Well, we are going to, um, uh, we're going to be jumping into this here in just a hot second. So I will, uh, I'll come back to you. Don't go, don't go anywhere, Brad Keithley. Our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, that's, that's how we do right here. Um, all right, my friends. <sighs> what else we got here? Daycare next door. Uh, um, good morning. I think candidate decisions matter regardless of voters made up their mind or not. The decisions are important. What decisions they will make in office. This is a glimpse. Brad is on YouTube this morning. Kipnook is in lockdown today and homeschooling. Um, Power came back on last night, says Barbara. Um, uh, Brad has an echo, says Chris. Anybody else hear Brad having an echo? He sounded a little hollow in the very beginning, but I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's going to take. Um, Kevin McCabe, Nader Health is busy pounding the drums over COVID again. It's election season. All right. We'll be finally visiting Homer the first time August 20th, says Kenneth. Kenneth, you're going to love it. You are going to love it. It is amazing. I recommend you stay at the Ocean Shores Resort. It's perfect. Damn, that blew my ears out. All right. Uh, you guys ready to go? Let's uh, jump back into it here. The Michael Duke Show continues. Brad Keithley is our guest. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like the show. Share the show. Obey. Do what I say. Subscribe. Ring the bell. Okay, well, I may be a little bit excitable when I come back, but he's like, you're so chipper. Sorry, I'm just, it's good to be back with you guys, and uh, I'm feeling kind of rejuvenated and refreshed. I got a book full of stuff that I wrote down and ideas and concepts, and I'm working on it. I felt like Nikola Tesla for a minute. It was crazy. I had just ideas popping in everywhere. Um, all right, uh, let's uh, let's kick things off, though, here, shall we, for this morning? It is Tuesday, the weekly deep dive, the weekly top three, and Brad Keithley join us to discuss all things um, uh, state and uh, all the deep stuff. Good morning, my friend. How are you? 
Michael, I'm doing great this morning, and and it sounds like you're in you're in just you know your energy level is up. You know, it, well, it's the first time I hadn't really taken much of a vacation um, uh, this whole year. Not poor, poor, pitiful me, but you know, I just go, 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 and uh, I realized as I was dr- making that long drive down to Homer, my gosh, I needed to just turn my brain off for a while because. Oof, you just need that little recharge uh, sometimes to get it done. And I feel great. I feel good. And um, yeah, I'm ready to I'm ready to be worn down again. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> ready to be worn down again. Well, Homer's a great Homer's a great place to recharge. That's oh for man, sure. it sure is. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, Brad, let's uh let's kick things off and get stuff started here this morning. Uh we got the weekly uh top three. Number one is all the things that we have learned. Uh, from the state candidate interviews, and there's a bunch of stuff going on. There's a bunch of interviews that have been floating around. ADN has got some, the Beacon, some of the other ones. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you've learned uh, from the state candidate interviews for governor, for senator, blah, 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 the whole thing. Let's just give me some rundown here. Well, the Beacon has got interviews with uh, with uh, governor candidates, the gubernatorial candidates, Senate, state Senate candidates, and state House candidates that responded. Uh, the ADN's got uh, interviews with the gubernatorial candidates uh, that responded, and those have both uh, uh, been interesting reading. I think the overall assessment that I came away from reading it is disappointment. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a consensus around, it's not not surprising disappointment, I guess, but but disappointment. There doesn't seem to be a consensus around uh, any sort of approach on fiscal policy uh, it's still, they, we still seem to be in the stage six years later, six years after PFDs were first cut. And we still seem to be in the, in the cycle of, uh, of my way, I'm going to win with my way and, and I'm not going to compromise one inch. Um, and, and, and so you, you really don't see a consensus. What I was hoping for, what I was looking for uh, was a consensus around, uh, around, uh, around the issue and, and, you know, being able to identify candidates that that if put together in a, in the legislature would uh, uh, would uh, uh, be able to bring uh, forth a policy. Most disappointing, I think, um, was the was the limited mention of the fiscal policy working group and the recommendations made by the fiscal policy working group. Two Senate candidates who responded to the to the questionnaires, uh, Rob Myers uh, and Jesse Keel. Uh, endorsed uh, the fiscal policy working group. It's not surprising for Jesse; he was on it. Uh, Rob's endorsement, I th- I think, is a is a great sign, and I was and I was really encouraged by that. And since I read his early on, I was sort of I was sort of hoping it was going to start a trend, uh, but it didn't. Um, a few more House candidates uh, endorsed the fiscal policy working group, but but mostly they were they were Democrats uh, or independents. Uh, Dan Ortiz uh, uh, endorsed it. Uh, others uh, endorsed it as as you went through, uh, but there was very there was very little recognition even of the work of the fiscal policy working group, much less uh, much less endorsement uh, of the recommendations. The rest of it was as you would sort of expect. Uh, uh, some who said we're going to cut our way, cut government spending down to. Uh, to match uh, revenues, uh, some Andy Josephson was the worst in this crowd. Andy Josephson, who said, "Ah, eh, PFDs, whatever, 
whatever we say it is and it's whatever's left over after we fund government <laughs> wow um just, yeah he was very he was very blatant in that just, regard just throw it right out there i don't want your vote i mean it's fine go ahead uh that'll work uh well it was clearly an appeal to uh to uh, uh, uh those who uh those who are tied to the government sector of the of the economy um some candidates uh recognized the uh, what I call the who pays issue, who bears the burden of, of, uh, of, of fiscal policy. If, uh, if we, if we fund government through PFD cuts, some candidates recognized that it was a regressive, uh, uh, tax on middle and lower income Alaska families, but, but, but <laughs> very few of them sort of went on and said, and we got to come to some solution. And the solution should be the fiscal policy working group. Um, so it was, it was a lot of, yeah, that's a problem. Uh, we really got to deal with it. Here's uh, here's where I think we ought to land: either spending cuts or, or uh, 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 you know, just <laughs> Andy Josephson's uh, all the way from spending cuts all the way to Andy Josephson's whatever's whatever's left over. Um, uh, some can one candidate said uh, uh, it, it could even go to zero, um, and and he would and that candidate would be fine with that. So it's uh it, it was a disappointing uh, uh, mashup on on that issue. I, I I would say that there was a lot more a lot more enthusiasm uh, among the various candidates for spending um, various spending priorities, both Democrats and Republicans. The Democrats tended to say uh, we've got to uh, f- f- fund um, government employees. We've got to develop pensions for them. We've got to make sure that their pay is is competitive. Uh, that's a solution that we that we need to come to. Um, some talked about education, in particular, uh, better funding education, building up education both at the K through twelve level as well as the uh, as well as the university uh, level. Uh, not unsurprisingly, um, uh, the uh, uh, candidates uh, up in Adam Wool's old district in Fairbanks, which represents UAF. We're all about. We have to fully fund UAF. We have to make sure that UAF's taken care of. Weren't those cuts that Governor Dunleavy proposed horrible? Right. Uh, uh, we have to. We have to balance those out. Uh, a lot of of discussion about on the Democrat side about uh, about uh, pensions and about uh, uh, employees and about uh, uh, education funding. On the Republican side, uh, there was a lot of discussion about infrastructure funding, uh, and we need to uh, we need to fund uh, infrastructure. Some candidates uh, were very clear that uh, no, there were no no taxes, even if it meant PFD cuts. Dan Sadler, surprisingly, uh, said uh, we need to we need to take care of the PFD, but but not if it means taxes, right? Uh, and so uh, put himself uh, put himself in that camp of of uh, cutting uh, cutting middle and cutting revenues to middle or, or taking revenues from middle and lower income Alaska families and not spreading it more equitably. Um, but I, but in general, Michael, I, I would say that, uh, that you don't, you don't read these interviews and come away with the feeling that, okay, we're on our way to a solution. We've got, we've got a consensus building around certain proposals and we're going to, and, and this crop of legislators are going to, uh, are going to advance us toward that. Same thing's true in the governor's race. I mean, the, it, it, governor Dunleavy said, we're going to, we're going to propose 50, 50 out on the, on the as a constitutional amendment, if I can get it through the legislature, we're going to propose 50, 50. That's uh that's my solution. Uh, Les Garris said, we're going to tax the oil companies. 
Louis Flora down at uh, Homer said the same thing. We're going to tax the oil companies. That's the way we're going to. That's the way we're going to resolve uh, our fiscal issues. And Walker, uh, Walker, you know, <laughs> for good, bad, or indifferent, is, is stay in the course. Walker said uh, uh, we're going to build the PF. We're going to build the permanent fund through PFD cuts. Uh, and at some point, we're going to get out there to Nirvana, where we can just fund government entirely off the earnings from from the the permanent fund. Uh, permanent the earnings off the permanent fund yeah well, i mean that is the ultimate uh, that's the ultimate wet dream of a lot of these politicians who are so pro-government they just can't wait till the day that the fund hits a hundred million dollars plus a hundred billion dollars plus and just spins off five or six billion a year they just can't wait for that day yeah it, it used to be a hundred billion dollars was going to be the was going to be nirvana and now walker in walker's interview he mentions 120 billion dollars so that that number keeps growing bigger uh, in order to, to in order to uh, fund more government, but you know what that means? It, it means that you have to cut the PFD now. His proposal is to cut the PFD now to a sustainable, affordable level. We have to cut the PFD now, and and once you get out to this nirvana, you still have to cut the PFD because you're taking all of the earnings off of the permanent fund uh, to fund uh, to fund government. I mean that's that's their goal to get to get the permanent fund to a level where they can. Where they can fund government off of it, and the PFD is a is a is an afterthought uh, in that in that uh, in that process. So, it's you know the the, the gubernatorial candidates uh, really aren't coming to grips with it. I, I was hoping that one of the gubernatorial candidates would step up and say, "Fiscal policy working group, we're going to build around that. We had we have a solution out there. It's still somewhat nebulous, but we're going to build around that." None of them did that. None of them even mentioned it. So. I think um, I, I think the in 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 large part the interviews uh, reflected where we've been, uh, and uh, and and lead one with the impression that we're just going to continue to muddle muddle along, which means continue PFD cuts. We're going to continue to muddle along, uh, even with this crop, uh, even even you know looking at this crop coming. Uh, yeah, into the legislature after this election. Well, it's interesting, you know, again, the roadmap, and we, we keep coming back to this, and I don't mean to be a broken record, but we keep coming back to the fiscal policy working group. I mean, you know, you got somebody like Rob Meyer, who I would consider to be one of the most conservative members of the Senate, and Jesse Keel both saying, here's a roadmap. Jesse Keel being on the opposite side of the political spectrum. Here's a roadmap that we can work with. We've heard other people, Kevin McCabe and Mike Schauer and others, mention this and say, here is something that we can use as a blueprint. And the fact that not everybody is, you know, is pulling it just it, it just shocks me that that uh, this is just laying there. It, it proves to me that in a lot of ways, there are many people out there they don't really want to fix this problem. They they don't see it as a problem. The, the, the problem for them is how do we get rid of the PFD and use it for government spending without angering the electorate? Yeah, it's um it it it's it's more than that because you're seeing it on both the left and right. It's not it's not just how do we get how do we continue to use it for government spending or in Walker's case, how do we, you know, cut it now and cut it later and 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 you know have this nirvana of government funded off the permanent fund it's more than that even on the right you're seeing you know people stick to the we're going to cut our way we're going to cut government spending down to down to whatever it takes to you know fully fund the pfd and and that's you know we saw that in 2019 that's just not going to happen so it's uh it's it's this absence on both the left and the right i mean maybe maybe what we're seeing is we've got a core group 
that is endorsing the fiscal policy working group. We've got a core group that really, you know, views this as a multifaceted issue that needs to be addressed in a number of different ways. And they're going to continue to, and and they're con- committed to continuing to work down that road. And maybe what they do is once the legislature starts is they pull in people from, from the two sides toward that middle and, and, uh, and coalesce around it. Maybe that's where, Maybe that's where this works. So as long as you have a core group believing in the fiscal policy working group uh, or the proposal there, uh, maybe that's maybe that's really you know something that you should just accept as a win and and go on. But none of the governor candidates, I mean, uh, not Dunleavy, not Walker, not Less, uh, uh, mentioned it at all. Uh, did, and, Char- um, did Charlie Pierce mention it at all? I'm just curious. Charlie Pierce didn't respond. Didn't respond to the interview. Okay, all right, I see. Okay. So. So I don't, and, and, and Kirka, uh, Kirka just said, we're essentially, we're going to cut our way there. So, um, it, it, it's, um, it, I, I was hoping for a bigger recognition that we'd made progress with the fiscal policy working group. And in some candidates, uh, we see that both left and right. Uh, you can't get much more left than Jesse Keel, uh, in the Senate. You can't get much more right than, than Rob Myers uh, in the Senate. And to see those two uh, working, you know, both recognizing that the fiscal policy working group had a recommendation out there, that's encouraging. Um, you see, uh, but you don't see that same sort of left and right uh, in the in the House. As I say, uh, the ones who mentioned the fiscal policy working group were largely Democrats or independents. Uh, re- very few Republicans responded, but the Republicans that did respond very... I can't recall any of those uh, mentioning the fiscal policy working group as a, as a way forward. So it's um, for somebody who was hoping for me, who was hoping to see uh, a more, uh, a fuller recognition, a more broad recognition of the efforts of the fiscal policy working group and sort of their recognition that it's a multifaceted or multifaceted problem that needs to be addressed. uh, The interviews were, uh, were disappointing. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We are uh, working uh, towards our number two, which uh, uh, hopefully we're going to have time for all three today. But number two is going to be why the fourth place uh, in the governor's race matters under ranked choice voting. Give me a 60-second thumbnail here, Brad. Well, we talked about this last week during one of the breaks, um, and I thought it was important enough to go back and hit it again uh, uh, in uh, in the discussion uh, during uh, uh, during airtime uh, to talk about why I think at least uh, the fourth place matters and why it matters a lot uh, in the, in the outcome uh, of this election and um, and so we're going to talk about it again once we come back on air. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to continue here in just a moment with him. Don't go anywhere. Don't forget you can find us uh, out on Facebook if you would like to uh, sound off with us. And hang out, ask questions. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. Brad Keithley continues with us in just a moment. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, The Michael Duke Show. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like... America used to be. 
Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're back with Brad uh, in the uh, break here, um, getting ready to take some questions from the chat room uh, and talk about stuff and things. Let me see what, uh, uh, let me see if there's been any questions um, for you. Um, um Here's Chris says in Twitch, he says, no progress on the working group plan. That is fake news. None of the shot callers supported it. If they did, they would have acted on it already. And I don't know if it's fake news, but it is. I mean, it is. You're not wrong. The shot callers, meaning the the leadership of the legislature, did not support it. And so it really didn't go anywhere, even though it seems to be the consensus of both sides of the aisle, Brad. Well, the, first, the, the the reason the fiscal policy working group is important is because uh, it did have uh, buy-in from both the, the left side of the legislature and the right side of the legislature, uh, as well as some some who could say who could be said to be uh, in the center. Um, so it was a consensus formed out of you know trying to trying to find a way to mesh all of these uh, positions together. Yeah, leadership didn't like it, um, but you know we're having an election. And we have elections to try to, you know, to form new leadership or to form new uh, directions for the legislature and for the governor's office. That's why we have elections. So the hope is that in the election process, we elect more people uh, who want to drive toward uh, want to drive to toward a, toward a consensus and uh, and uh, uh, it, it build a consensus around the fiscal policy working group. Look, we need to face we need to face up to something. If we don't have a consensus on the way forward. The legislature is going to continue PFD cuts. Status quo means continued and deeper as we, as oil prices come down uh, uh, and oil revenues come come down. Uh, status quo is going to mean continued PFD cuts. There needs we need to find an alternative to an alternative direction. Uh, if uh, if you believe as I do at least that the PFD cuts are the worst uh, approach that you possibly can take. So. Uh, fiscal policy working group, yeah, it didn't have the le- the buy-in of leadership, um, uh, <laughs> but but we're having an election. The election is to is to hopefully find new directions and uh, and and looking for people who are buying into uh, uh, looking for people who are buying into the fiscal policy working group. You know, one could hope that uh, in the next legislature, uh, once the Senate is reformed and once the uh, 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 House is reformed that, uh, at least on the Senate side, maybe Jesse Keel and Rob Myers are in their respective parties' leaderships. Uh, and, uh, and, and they have, you know, indicated a, 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 a recognition that the fiscal policy working group is a good way forward. So the fact it didn't happen in the last legislature, that's old news. Right. Question is, the question is what happens going forward. Right. I mean, now that all the work is done, you don't want to have to create another, you know, fiscal policy. You've already done it. I mean, just acknowledge the plan that's there and discuss the merits of that one before you move on uh, anywhere else. I see Michael on Facebook has said something which I am seeing more and more discussed by many of the uh, uh, more progressive candidates, which is one of the candidates on the peninsula is saying he's going to get the defined benefits retirement plan reinstated. That, again, is another goalpost dream for many of these progressives. They just can't wait to get that. I mean, I don't know if they just can't do basic math and understand 
you know, how far underwater we were with the defined benefits uh, retirement plan before the tier one plan. But uh, I mean, this is dangerous talk, in my opinion. Oh, we're still underwater. We're still underwater. Uh, you know, we're, we're only 70 or 80 percent funded. Right. Even after even after the stock market run up uh, of the past few years, we're only 78 or 80 percent funded uh, uh, on our retirement. You know, people people say, well, we're going to set up this defined benefits differently. We're going to set it up to pay for itself. We're not going to have uh, uh, we're not going to have the kind of uh, exposure. We got a, we got a, somebody mowing a yard back here. We're not going to have the kind of uh, exposure that um, uh, financial exposure that we've had in the past, uh, and we're going to uh, uh, we're going to we're going to set it up so it pays for itself. But that never happens, right? right. I mean, you get two or three. You, that's your intent at the beginning, but you get two or three years or four years down the road, and all of a sudden, ah, we don't want to pay that much for the for defined benefits. We don't want to contribute that much to defined benefits. And then the stock market starts getting a little wavery. Uh, and, and the difference between defined benefits and defined contribution is who takes the risk. In defined benefits, the state takes the risk. In defined contribution, the contributors uh, uh, take the risk of, of, of the market wavering. And you, you get two or three or four years down the road or five or 10 years down the road, the market wavers a little bit. It wavers from the expectations you had uh, at the time you set the rates. So you get pushback on the rates and the market doesn't doesn't fulfill your expectations. And all of a sudden the state's on the hook, the state who's taking the risk and defined benefit programs on the on the hook. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We are coming up on the uh, uh, on the return to radio. Somebody asked if there was a show from yesterday. I couldn't find it on YouTube. No, I was off yesterday. So today's the first day of the week, and that's where it is. Brad is in Illinois, he said earlier on. He's uh, hanging out with his mom in Illinois. All right, we're going to jump back into this. Here we go, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, we're continuing now. Brad Keithley, uh, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. It's the weekly top three. Why the fourth place in the governor's race actually matters. Everybody's talking about Dunleavy and Walker and Gara, but the fourth position is going to be important as well. Brad, we did talk about this a little bit last week. Uh, give us your take uh, on this uh, as we go forward here. Well, in ranked choice voting, I think the fourth place uh, uh, has the potential uh, to determine the outcome of the election. Um, and the, the, the second choice uh, votes for the fourth place candidate once we get to ranked choice voting. And I think it's, I think it's very important who that fourth uh, ranked candidate is and what his voters are likely to do, what that person's voters are likely to do uh, with, their second, with their second choice ballots. I say that because when we saw, as we saw with the Ivan Moore poll, and as we've seen with additional polls since, uh, Walker or Dunleavy is, is ahead uh, in November. Uh, Guerra and Walker are close. Um, so you take the, the fourth, the fourth uh, close to each other. You take the fourth uh, ranked candidate, you throw, uh, you, you, you eliminate his votes, his first, first choice votes, when you get to rank choice voting, you take a second choice, that candidate second choice votes, and then you reapply them. 
uh, in the Ivan Moore poll, that was enough to push Walker or push Dunleavy rather uh, over the top, over over 50%. Uh, and I think that's probably how it's going to play out um, in uh, November if enough people are ranking uh, Dunleavy in, uh, in the second, as the second choice uh, on their ballots. Here's where I think it's important. I don't think, I, when you look at Pierce and Kirka, who are the two leading contenders for fourth place, I think the Pierce voters, people who, who would vote for Charlie Pierce, are a lot more likely to rank Dunleavy second uh, than, uh, than, uh, 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 than not. And, and set up that situation when we get to November and we get to rank choice voting, where those second choice ballots from the fourth ranked candidate uh, end up pushing uh, uh, Dunleavy over. We can hope that Charlie, you know, that Charlie does even even better than that uh, as the election gets on, as as the focus turns to those four candidates as opposed to being spread uh, among a, a number of candidates. But but I think it's I think it's important that 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 fourth choice candidate or that fourth uh, ballot candidate be 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 Charlie Kirka. On the other hand, I think his voters are a lot more likely to be what's what's being called bullet voters, and bullet voters are voters that vote for one candidate and then stop marking their ballot. One and done, right. One and done. And if you have that, uh, if, if the fourth ranked candidate, if the fourth candidate in the, in the ranked choice voting in November, if you have a lot of bullet voters for that fourth uh, uh, choice candidate, their second choices may not be enough. The few who, who are the ones who market second choice may not be enough to push, the, to push Dunleavy or, or whoever, Hopefully, done. Uh, hopefully, a conservative candidate uh, over the top. Um, so, I think it's really critical who's in that fourth. Who's in that fourth spot? Will it be a candidate who's attracting voters who are going to mark the down? Who's going to who are going to mark a second uh, second uh, choice? Or will it be a candidate who's going to attract voters who are bullet voters and not not mark that second choice? I think that's critical enough, frankly, that I think some people who otherwise might be inclined to vote for Dunleavy. Uh, on the first ballot, should should can reconsider and consider voting for Charlie uh, uh, in uh, in the primary to pu- to put him in a position to be that fourth uh, fourth ranked candidate. Uh, I certainly intend to vote for Charlie uh, in, uh, in in the primary. Right uh, for that for that reason, among others, I like his positions uh, uh, generally as well. But but I think it's I think it's important that people consider. When they when they go into the ballot, since you only get one vote in the August primary, when the, when you go in to vote, that you consider voting not only for the candidate that you favor, but but consider putting a candidate how your vote would impact putting a candidate uh, in that fourth uh, in that fourth place position. And uh, somebody just said I was going to rank Kirk Pierce and then Dunleavy. The problem is again assuming that the three of them are in the rank choice portion. And that's the problem is that there's, you know, with all the oxygen being in the room sucked up by uh, 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 Dunleavy and Guerra and Walker, uh, that fourth position, there's only going to be four. So it's either going to be, I think at this point, it's going to be Kirka or Pierce. And uh, and you're right. I think the Kirka voters are all so done with uh, Mike Dunleavy that they're not even going to bother to vote uh, at that point for anybody else. We need to make sure that we. I said I've been ranking. I'm going to rank the red and the yellow. I'm going to rank the 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 Republican uh, candidates and Libertarian candidates, even if I have to write them in. I'm not placing a vote for Walker or Guerra or for any other Democrat in the race thus far. 
and that's just how it's got to be. But you can't just be a one vote, one vote ticket. Yeah. And Michael, keep in mind that that the whole ranked choice is in November. The, the, the primary, the August primary right. in the governor's race is one vote. You get one vote. And, and the question is how you want to use that one vote. And, the, and, and to me, the question is, do you want to vote just for the candidate you, 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 you favor most, the candidate you think is going to finish first, or do you want to think more strategically and, and, and use that vote to help position somebody in the fourth position that's going to be hugely important? when we get, uh, when we get, uh, to November. Right. So I, it, it's, um, I, I understand people who say, well, I'm going to rank so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so we're not there yet. Don't worry about that yet. Don't think about that yet. Right. <laughs> think about, think about August and you only get one vote. And how do you want to use that vote, uh, to protect yourself in, from, in, in what you want to do when, once you get to November. I, and I, again, I agree. I think that that's important. It's one of the reasons why I am. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm voting Charlie Pierce in August, just to simply one, because I like you, I like his policies and I'd like to see him be governor. And two, he's the best of the remaining candidates to be in the top four to uh, make sure that there is at least a Republican governor, if nothing else, when it's all said and done. Um, Brad, that uh, leaves us to number three. Um, today, which of course is, uh, just more proof that Dunleavy is not really about the, uh, the minimal small budget after all, you've got more, more proof yet laid out again. Well, we, uh, we saw in 2019 that the, the governor Dunleavy did try to cut spending. Uh, he was, uh, he, he came out with a budget that I think uh, a lot of people, uh, who listen to this program, uh, supported. Uh, and, uh, and he pushed, uh, the cuts, the type of cuts that, that, that people have talked about, but it didn't succeed. And in the end, it wouldn't, it didn't even get 16 legislators who were willing to back him up. Uh, had he made those, had he made the vetoes down to the levels that he originally proposed, he didn't have 16 legislators who would back him up, uh, on that level of cuts. Um, so it's, we've tried that it didn't work. Um, and what's happened since is I think Dunleavy just sort of threw in the towel and said, okay, well, that's not going to go anyplace. And it's going to get, going to get recall petitions filed against me. And it's probably going to lose me the election. And, and so he sort of, he sort of wandered over to the other side, not all the way over to the other side. He's not, you know, full throated, let's do defined benefits. Let's increase K through 12 spending. Let's, you know, fully fund the universities. Let's do this and that, and that spending. He's not all the way over there. But he sort of wandered into the middle ground of, yeah, okay, I'm not going to fight spending uh, all that much. The, the latest evidence of that, uh, I think, was, was him allowing a bill that raised the salaries uh, of essentially the lawyers in government, the, the, the attorney general, the lawyers in the attorney general's office, the lawyers that work for the court system, turns out legislative staffers as well, raised those salaries. He allowed that bill. Uh, it's about a 35 million, 40, 40 million dollar price tag uh, on those increases. He allowed that bill to become law uh, without without signing it. A bill can become law one of two ways. It can either become law uh, with the governor signing it, or it can become law after the passage of a certain amount of time uh, with the governor not signing it, not not vetoing it, and not and, and even though he doesn't sign it, it nevertheless becomes law. And uh, and this past week, the governor allowed that bill to become law. 
there wasn't, he didn't give any publicity to it. He didn't, he didn't have a signing ceremony, but he also didn't say, look, you know, sometimes we have to fund government. He didn't use it as an opportunity to say, sometimes we have to fund government, but we don't have to fund government always and use it as an opportunity to resend sort of his uh, spending cut message. He didn't, he didn't use it right. for that. Uh, either. In, in fact, they said something like, well, something like this doesn't really need a signing ceremony or something. It was just like, that, really? That was your, it didn't really need a signing ceremony. So you're just going to let it go. I mean. So, so those people who, who continue to say we're going to cut spending. I mean, my point ultimately on this is those people who continue to say, we're going to cut spending down to, you know, the level that we have traditional revenues to cover and we're not going to, uh, we're not going to, uh, uh, you know, we're not going to have a need for PFD cuts because we're going to cut spending down to the levels where we can afford uh, full PFDs. That's just not going to happen. It's it's not going to happen on on Dunleavy's watch, and uh, and Dunleavy certainly is the leading candidate. For, it certainly, is not right. going to happen on Walker's watch. Yeah. It's not going to happen on Gara's watch. Brad uh, Brad Keithley, Alaska's for sustainable budgets. We're up against it. Thank you so much, Brad. Hold the line, folks. We're out of time. Hour two, dead ahead. Sorry, Brad, we were we were, we ran a little bit long. I didn't mean to interject there too much, but I, I just had to laugh at the way that they put that in there. Like, oh, so he couldn't be bothered to cut it because, well, but, you know, he didn't really need a signing ceremony. So, I mean, again, like you said, he's completely rolled over and wet on himself at this point, it seems like. <laughs> that's I mean, that's just, you know, throwing his hand up in the air and says, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just just don't just don't unelect me. Well, that's exactly right. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as that analogy but but uh for for example what he did earlier after the legislature finished with the budget he did veto some bonuses that the legislature had passed included in the preparations bill to these same people that that, that are now getting the the subsequent legislature that the that this legislation gave gave raises to so he did say i'm not going to double dip i'm not going to give them bonuses and agree to this increased spending, I'm going to agree to the increased spending uh, and veto uh, veto the bonuses. So he gets he gets some credit for that, but it's not it's not the Dunleavy that we thought we had in 2018. It's not the Dunleavy he's going to come in with a red pen and and rip rip the budget apart uh, in order to get spending down to levels that accommodate uh, accommodate the PFD without other other types of revenue. And and people who keep saying that, people who keep digging in their heels and say, well, I'm not going to agree to anything, you know, until we get spending down to, to, to those levels. All they're doing, I mean, Dunleavy's not going to do that. All, all that attitude is doing is prolonging PFD cuts because the legislature is not going to do anything else without a consensus to move forward like we have with the fiscal policy working group. The legislature is not going to do anything other than PFD cuts. Uh, and and. And and all we're doing is, you know, taking that attitude of we got to cut spending first or I'm going to hold my breath until we cut spending. All that all that attitude is doing is prolonging PFD cuts. And and this latest episode with Dunleavy, this latest episode by the governor where he just allowed uh, these pay raises to go into effect is another example of that. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I like this. Somebody just said in the chat room, going back to your number two. Talking about the fourth, uh, talking about the fourth uh, candidate in the rank choice, uh, Rick says, "Strange, didn't we used to only get one vote? So if I vote for one candidate and they don't make it, so 
why should I put someone in second place when I don't want them in office? The whole thing is a setup for disaster. Well, look, it's the law of the land now. And you have to think of it like this is immediate runoff. This is like an immediate runoff race is what it, it you have to kind of consider it in that regard. And would you rather have would you rather be able to vote for two candidates, one that you like and one that you kind of like or, again, the lesser of two evils um, and be able to do it all at once? I mean, I, I, I think if you're voting for just one candidate and going you're missing an opportunity here uh, to, again, uh, at least keep some semblance of conservatism in the state government at this point, Brad? Well, if you're voting for Dunleavy, I mean, uh, taking the polls uh, and, and and assuming that's sort of where we're headed to in November, if you're voting for Dunleavy, you probably can do one and done because he's probably not going to be the fourth the fourth candidate. He's probably not going to be the one where second choice votes, uh, votes matter. But if you're voting for Kirka or Charlie, uh, if we come to November and and one of them are, are the fourth candidate, fourth candidate coming out of the primary, and you don't do a second vote for them, essentially, you're voting for Walker and Guerra. <laughs> because if Dunleavy doesn't make it to 50 percent uh, uh, after the after the fourth, if he doesn't make it to 50 percent in the first round and he doesn't make it to 50 percent after the second round, then you're going to have Guerra or, or Walker's votes, most of whom are going to vote for the other. Right. As their second choice, you're right. going to have those votes determining the outcome, and it's likely it's likely going to push one of them over the top. So, yeah, one and done is is probably fine if you're voting for Dunleavy, but one and done if you're voting if the fourth candidate is is Pierce or Kirka, and you don't and you vote one one and done, you're essentially voting uh, for uh, for Guerra or Walker uh, uh, in, uh, in that, in, in what would subsequently be the second round, third round. Right. Right. And that's the thing is when it gets down into the third round, that's when things really get dicey because again, by that point, especially if you've got two candidates that are close to each other, like Gara and Walker, those votes essentially combine at some point. And, uh, and that's a, and that's a, uh, and that's a problem when it's all said and done. Um, if Walker or Guerra get elected, they will punish the Republican donor class. I think they're going to, they'll just punish the state in general. (laughs) I don't think it'll be specifically the donor class. I think they want to court the donor class, but, uh, you know, I think it'll just be the state in general. Oh no, the, the, the Republican donor class is over supporting, uh, 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 Walker. Look at Jim Jansen. Look at Kathy Giesel. Look, look at look at look at the Republicans, the big money Republicans. Look at Ron Duncan. Look at the big money Republicans. They're over supporting Walker. The, why? Because Walker is going to use PFD cuts to finance government. He's going to have big government, but do it on the back of middle and lower income Alaska families. He's not going to tax. He's not going to tax the top twenty percent. They're there. They're there. They're already there. Gara less significantly less so. But that donor class, that that establishment donor class, is already behind Walker. He isn't he isn't going to punish them at all. Right. In fact, he's, he's setting up his policies to work for them. Right. Uh, frustrating stuff. Brad, what are you watching for this week real quick here? Well, we're in the final week before uh, before the primary. I'll be watching stuff that uh, that comes out of that. We any additional candidate interviews I'll be. I'll be uh, digging into uh, looking at the uh, last minute policies and then last minute policy approaches. And then I've got to make up my mind about uh about the house race. I mean, we're who, who to vote for in the house race. I, it, it, that's a crazy, that's a crazy uh, uh, mix that we've got going in there. And I, and I'm not clear in my mind who, uh, who I'm going to vote for in that. So it'll yeah. be, uh, I'll be focused on that. 
All right. Well, Brad, we look forward to it next week. Enjoy uh, your time and down there in sunny uh, USA down there. Thanks for coming on board and uh, appreciate it. And uh, as always, look forward to talking to you again next week. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. All right, folks, we are out of time. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs and uh, around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, it is The Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live uh, right now. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us uh, this hour of the program, being brought to you by your friends. Over there at Satellite West, when it comes to communications, be it satellite, cellular, VHF, whatever it is, the folks at Satellite West can get you hooked up. Uh, again, aviation, marine, wherever you are. Check them out at SatelliteWest.com. Thank you for coming on board. And welcome back to those of you who are just joining us. Hour two of the big radio show. And uh, i got to say, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm back. Uh, I'm back from another great weekend. Um, it was a nice, long I was going to say four, but it was actually a five-day weekend, and um, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. I went down to Homer and spent another beautiful uh, few days down there in God's country. Um, uh, stayed at the beautiful Ocean Shores Resort down there, right on the uh, right. Got my favorite room. They should just put my name on that room. I have stayed at that room for the last three years. Um, specifically we've stayed in that room, um, every right there on the grass, right over the beach, just absolutely, just absolutely beautiful. And, uh, it is, uh, it was just, it was an amazing trip. Um, my first trip of the year to Homer, normally I'm in Homer by this time, the last couple of years, I've been in Homer three or four times already, but this is my first trip down this year. And, um, I already want to go back. <laughs> I already want to go back down and just uh, enjoy and hang out and do some. Um, it just it, it's something about it. The something about the sea air at the little cosmic hamlet by the sea. It's just uh, it's beautiful, and I am uh, I'm ready to go back. 
Uh, I'm ready to go back right now. Uh, that's that's where it's at. But here we are, working away, getting things ready to go. I feel recharged, and we're going to continue here in hour two. We just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, and uh, we are going to uh, um, we're going to uh, be visiting again with him next week. But if you missed it, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast. Or you can, um, uh, or you can watch the uh, replay on YouTube and Facebook. We've got uh, those up and available for you to uh, to take a look at and be a part of. I want to remind you that uh, if you like the show and you want to help support the show uh, financially, I mean, you can become a member of our fan club, the Cool Kids Club. We call it the Common Sense Core, and. Uh, you get access to the private Facebook group. You can get coffee and uh, you get discounts on swag. We just did a big, uh, we just did a big swag sale for folks, uh, t-shirts and mugs and stuff like that. And uh, <clears throat> Common Sense Core members got a discount on that. Uh, they got them at uh, they got it at rock bottom prices. And so you can uh, check all that out. Again, go over to MichaelDukeShow.com and click on Join the Core. And uh, you can become a member of the Common Sense Corps for as little as a cup of coffee a month. You can help support the show. And they even have one-time contributions now where you can do one and done and be a member for a year for a just super cheap price. Uh, anyway, go over and check it out, michaeldukeshow.com. Click on Join the Corps to become a member of our Patreon club, uh, the Common Sense Corps. I like it. All right, let's uh, let's do that. Hour two here this morning, we're going to be talking with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who's going to call in and give us our weekly positivity update. Meanwhile, you know what? Let's. Um, I haven't talked to you guys in a while, so let's open up the phone lines and uh, see what you guys uh, have to say. Let's uh, let's open up the phone lines and we'll uh, we'll talk with you guys and see what is on your mind. At 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say this morning on any of the topics that we've touched on. And um, we could uh, we can hear what, uh, what you guys have to say this morning. Um, I still have this story that I do want to talk about here eventually, which is about the child care sector and the education sector that was up in the ADN. Uh, but I think that may need its whole seg- it may need a whole segment all to itself. Um, I I read it this morning and I may want to dissect it a little bit here before I get too far uh, before I get too far along in that. So we'll uh, we may put that one off for just a little bit. Uh, but since we've got Chris Story coming up, let's uh, let's just take some calls and see what you guys have to say. 907-433-3150. Let's go over here and we'll get started. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Carlene and Kodiak. Well, good morning, darling Carlene. How are you this morning? Excellent. And I'm so happy that you had a good weekend at uh, your favorite room at Ocean Shores on the beach. Mm, yeah. Um, nice news. Thank you. Um, but what I'm calling about is the third item that Brad Keithley talked about today adding $35 million to the budget for um, the legal system, attorney general, assistant attorney generals, prosecutors, and the legal staff. And I'm wondering, will they go back to 40 hours a week? 
they their hours were cut to like four and a half days a week. The court system here locks up by noon on Friday, and I don't even know how many cases they take Friday morning. So they work like anywhere between 32 and 36 hours a week. So I'm wondering, will they go back to full-time work? Because that would make a difference in that wage increase. How it would is, do they get paid for not working, or will they work 40 hours a week? Well, the state courthouses, that's all part of the judiciary, and I think that's that's separate than what we were talking about here. We're talking about the legal staff in the state, uh, in state government, the law department and the staffers. They were the ones that received these wage increases. It wasn't the yeah. um, it wasn't the judiciary, which is the one that runs the courthouses and the systems. Um, now, I know that they've been on short. Uh, they they started back in 2020 with some shortening out things, and of course they closed the courthouses down for quite a while. Um, has this been going on for a while, Carlene, or is this something you just noticed? No, since uh, the shutdown. Yeah. So and um and go to the website alaska.gov and see how many attorneys worked for the state of Alaska about 10 years ago. Um, down there, and there were like 150. So um, I don't know how many attorneys work there now. I imagine this if that was 10 years ago, I imagine it's probably more now. That's just uh, it's probably just the case right now. It's probably more. Um, but uh, yeah, this will probably not affect the hours at the courthouse. I know that they are overwhelmed. I know they still have a backlog. From COVID, uh, I read that here a couple weeks ago. They're still working on the backlog of cases from COVID. So uh, this is not going to fix it, unfortunately, Carlene. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to fix that at all. This is They were trying to bring up some of the uh, higher professional uh, positions up to, uh, you know, uh, commensurate with the public sector, uh, or excuse me, with the private sector side. And uh, I think that's what this was an attempt to do, although... Um, you know, they also still get all the gold-plated benefits and everything else. So uh, this is not going to fix your problem, though, Carlene, unfortunately. When you compare it to the private sector, that's like a part-time job, you know, when the rest of the economy works long, long hours, sometimes seven days a week. So that's a, a primo job. I mean, if I was working 38 hours a week, I would officially be working about half the time that I work now. So I would definitely love that. That would be like almost a vacation at this point for sure. Um, all right, Carlene. Well, thank thank you for calling in this morning. I appreciate it. It's always good to hear from you. Let's go over here. we got another call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, uh, Jeremy Michael Dukes. I'm so sorry I missed you. Oh, Over yeah. Over the uh, weekend. No problem. Like, I, I, messaged, I messaged you too late. No problem, Jeremy. We'll get you squared away. We'll get you some uh, We'll get you some coffee yeah. and T-shirts and everything else. We'll get it all squared away. Yeah, it's all good. But, uh, you know, uh, it's good to hear Carlene. And if she's still listening, then... I don't know if she's in my district or not, but we have a chance to get rid of Gary Stevens. Right. By uh, And I believe Sarah Vance is uh, kind of hanging out with Heath Smith. And so I think that's 
who we're voting for in District 6 is Heath Smith, right? right? Yeah. No, Heath Smith has got a chance here. He's going to be running against Gary Stevens. Um uh, in the uh, in the uh, ranked choice voting, he's obviously they're going to make it uh, through the primary. The primary, he's already decided that he's going to be on the November ballot because there's not there's only there's less than four people in it. So yeah, he's going to be down there. I think one of the most telling things for me when I was driving around in Homer on Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, was that I saw a couple times I saw like. Gary Stevens and Louis Flora signed side by side. Louis Flora is the candidate who's running against Sarah Vance. And I just had to chuckle. And, that tells hey, that tells me it, more than uh, anything. By the Kisteva post office, um, someone put up a sign said, uh, vote for Snorky. Replace Lisa Murkowski. And then he pointed the arrows. So. <laughs> Someone else put up a sign over there, because I I thought it was pretty flagrant, if I may use that word, flagrant. Yeah. yeah. For the Lisa Murkowski campaign to uh, put up a sign that close to the post office, as if uh, the post office is endorsing her, but. We talked to the actual employees of the post office. Right now, we we do not, you know, and that we we got to figure out how to get rid of that uh, Lisa Murkowski sign and well put up a Kelly Chewbacca sign. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of pushback right now on Murkowski, and I saw that across the peninsula as well. A lot of Kelly signs out there. Uh, and I, I think this is a good time, Jeremy. I think this is a good time for everybody to uh, uh, to make some of those changes. Changing the players out, obviously, number one on the charter of changes. That's what we need to be. Uh, that's what we need to be working on. Thank you for your call, Jeremy. I appreciate it, folks. We are up against the break. We're going to continue here in just a second. We're going to have uh, Chris Story join us here. Phone lines are closed for the moment. We'll be back to more in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty, uh, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Oh. Hello. How are you? How's how's life treating you guys? How's how's everything going? Yeah, buddy. Um, you ready to? Uh, <clears throat> Sorry, I'm just fixing something here. I'm just fixing something here that were it was bad. Um, all right. 
Let me go back here. Oh, look at this. Randy was very nice. Randy says, I recommend the Michael Dukes Common Sense Core. It's where common sense ideas are discussed. It's at the Common Sense Course private Facebook page where he first introduced his idea of the Hammond Bond, which nobody is endorsing, but uh, Randy has had some thoughtful discussions out there before, and I do appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, become a member of the Common Sense Core, baby. Become a member of the Common, whoop, the Common, whoop, the what, the whoop, the Common Sense Core. <laughs> oh, man. Again, it, uh, I had uh, Jen, one of our newer members, came in and said, I heard about that for a long time, but I had no idea that it would help the, help the show. Yes, it financially supports the show. That's how we got this new, uh, that's how we got this new fancy, uh, uh, you know, Facebook, or excuse me, this new fancy broadcast software and everything else. Um, that's where all that came from. All that stuff came from the uh, donations and, and contributions of members of the Common Sense Corps. So it's good. MD, how was your weekend? It was amazing. It was amazing. I, um, you know, the problem with vacation is you can't make it permanent. I'd love to make it a permanent vacation, but I just can't. I just can't. Where did you go? Oh, I'll tell you where I went. You know, I went to Homer. You know, that's my that's my go-to place. I'm either you could figure that if I'm on vacation, I'm either at my house with the door shut and the curtains drawn and keep keeping everybody away from me, or I am down in Homer. That's uh that's that's what it goes down to. I am going down to Homer. Um yeah, boy. Um State Senator Mike Shower will be live on Politidick at 1 p.m. today, unfiltered. Hope to see you all there. All right. There you go. I can't wait to see what he has to say. Um, let's see here. Going back here through some of the comments. <clears throat> uh, Doty, I've been here 31 years and never been to Homer. We'll get down there for sure. Have been so many places in our beautiful state, just not yet. You know what, Doty? Just change whatever plans you had to do something else in the state. Just change, change whatever plans you had and uh, just make plans to go to Homer. Period. Full stop. End of story. Your life will change when you get down there into Homer. And uh, there's some great places to go. You know, like I said, uh, the um, um, Ocean Shores Resort is probably the best place, in my opinion. I've stayed all over the place down there. That's probably the best place to go is uh, the Ocean Shores, especially if you ask for a beachside room. If they've got them available, that's the ones you want, the beachside room, because they put you right down there. Literally a short walk across the grass, and you're standing right on the bluff above the ocean. It's uh, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, all right, let me um, let me see here. I think we've got uh, I think we got the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Chris Story uh, on the phone with us right now. Let's see if we can bring him into the uh, into the mix. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Michael. Love the uh, the plug for Homer. Thank you. Yeah, no, it, uh, you know, like I said, it's the one thing every time I go down there, I never want to leave. Um, and uh, if I could just plant my flag down there somewhere and, and work from there, that would be, 
That would be perfect. That would be perfect. And what's most interesting is that it's the police that usually are encouraging you not to leave, at least not the vicinity for 48 hours. Exactly. I don't know what that's about. I don't know why, but they just said, please, sir, don't leave town. And I'm like, but wait, I, I, I don't want to leave town. I've got to go. Um, We've got a room for you. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, hold the line, my friend. We're going to be right back uh, here, and uh, mm-hmm. we're going to be uh, continuing with Chris Story, the man from Homer, in just a hot second. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program, Tuesday edition of the show. Tomorrow on the program, expecting to have Mike Shower and potentially Chris By, who is the Libertarian candidate for Congress, on board with us. Meanwhile, it is that time, that time where we get a chance to get our uplift, our life coaching, our boost. It is the one, the only... Chris Story, the man from Homer. I love HomerAlaska.com. Chris comes on board every week to share with us his stuff, um, his 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 philosophy, uh, and uh, he is with us right now. Good morning, my friend. How are you, Michael Dukes? I'm on top of the world. How about you? You know, there is no, uh, there's just no, no, uh, no, no better day than well, unless of course I was down in Homer with you. Uh, I love homeralaska.com is his website. That's how much he loves his hometown. He made his website the hometown. Um, so Chris, um, what, um, you know, we just, we had lunch the other day while I was down at Homer and I, we didn't talk anything about the show. So I have no idea what you're going to talk about today, but I'm sure it's going to be fantastic, whatever it is. Basically, I'd like to share with everybody how to get a free lunch. I'm kidding, but thank you for lunch. I enjoyed it, and uh, it was very kind of you. Yeah, thank we, you. it was a busy weekend. Chris and I ran around to like three different places trying to find a place to have uh, have breakfast, and we actually ended up having lunch instead. So it's uh, it was a busy weekend at Homer with Salmon Fest and everything else. So uh, uh, I'm glad to see uh, I'm glad to see it got. I did eventually end up over getting over to Captain's Coffee for uh, some breakfast. Chris, we did. I'll let you. know. We tried to go in there, and the place was standing room only. So. Uh, but I later on did go in there and get a chance to have some biscuits and gravy and eggs, and it was delicious. So, um, all right. Uh, so what what are we gonna what are we gonna talk about? What is the topic for today? Sorry. You know, I, I've been rereading a series of essays by Jim Rohn, and Jim, Jim is an incredible business philosopher, and he passed away in about two thousand nine. And I just thought, you know, now with the world the way it is, I thought this would be an excellent time to visit Jim Rohn's philosophy of life and business and capital. And so he wrote a series of essays called The World is Yours, and it's 26 collective essays. And and this one I read this morning, I wanted to share with you, entitled Nine Things More Important Than Capital. Of course, by capital, he means money. So nine things more important in your life than money. And I thought, man, this is the perfect thing to talk to Mr. Dukes about today. I feel like I should be taking notes. Let me pop open a little note here because I want to know what the nine things are. All right. So number one, nine things that are more important than money. Hit me with it. Time. 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 You've got time, time on your side and you use your time wisely and you invest your time 
that's far more valuable than any amount of money. So investing your time wisely, getting the education while you're here, getting the free education that's all around you, using your time wisely and judiciously towards an aim, a very specific aim and goal that you've got set. If you use your time correctly and wisely and you look at it as an investment, then it is far more valuable than, than all the money in the world. Yeah. No. Well, I can't remember, you know, I mean, it's something that I've, I've heard for years. I don't know if my grandfather said it or something, but you know, it's like time is the one thing. Well, time and, and property, those are the two things that they're not making more of, you know what I mean? You're not mm-hmm. going to, you can't right. make any more time and you can't make any more land. So those two things are kind of static and you got to get them while you can. And desperation, desperation is far more important than capital. Jim Rohn said, he said, you know, I guess one, it's called must just put it in terms of just one word must when you must do something you will. And so desperation will create far more opportunity in your life than uh, somebody handing you a million dollars. Imagine, you know, bridges are burnt. There's no turning back. You are desperate. You will do, you will accomplish, you can accomplish and probably do more than you thought you could ever possibly do or accomplish when you are desperate back against the wall. Desperation will create opportunity. Well, sometimes when you're desperate too, your mind uh, makes leaps and reaches that you, you know, Mm -hmm. you make connections and and ideas that you would never have considered before. If you weren't under such enormous pressure or desperate for so many things, you'd be like, why didn't I think of that before? Why didn't I think of this earlier? I mean, this would have been, you know, uh, your, your mind under that kind of pressure can work miracles. In business, the last 28 years that I've been in business, it's been, as I thought about these and I was reading this list this morning and I was thinking, yeah, I remember being incredibly creative. I came up with some uh, solutions to some business problems back in our, in our, in our pottery business that I still use some of those problem solving measures to this day in our real estate and our production and our, uh, our properties businesses that, that I got from that moment in time when I was absolutely desperate back against the wall in a, in a craft business. So right, right. anyway, it's really served me well. And then that leads to determination. And basically it's just one step past desperation. Jim Rohn said <laughs> that determination is when you're just past that desperation and you say, look, if I did it once, I can do it again and again, and I'm determined to win. And right. I know that I can earn more. I know I can become more. I am now determined. And determination, again, he said, is worth far more than money. And that leads to courage. Courage. In spite of, in spite of falling, in spite of hurdles that are set before you, uh, maybe even pitfalls and setbacks and obstacles, in spite of all those things, courage will carry you farther than a full bank account because that can diminish and be depleted, but courage actually builds through desperation and determination and investing your time. You get and you earn courage and you've got something you can spend for the rest of your life. And, well, and then that leads to ambition because ambition is the progression of a worthy uh, ideal. Like you're headed towards a goal or a determined place and ambition is what fuels that growth far beyond what, a diminishing dollar could possibly return. I, you know, I like your analogy of the burning the bridges because there are times in your lives where you're like, uh, you know, you're, you're comfortable, you're easy. And sometimes you inadvertently burn the bridge 
and sometimes in desperation you burn the bridge. But that does definitely give you that determination. And, I mean, it takes courage. Sometimes it takes courage to step out of your comfort zone, to do what you need to do, to break the ties that are binding you. You don't even seem the invisible ties of habit force and other things. And then that that's where your ambition has to take over. You have to want more. If you don't want more, if you're comfortable pumping gas or flipping burgers or, uh, you know, uh, stamping letters or doing whatever it is that you're doing, then that's great. That's fine. But if you have reached through these and got to it, you got to have that ambition to uh, want more than what you have right now. And and that could be more happiness. It could be more money. It could be more things. It could be more peace. It could be more, more of less. I don't know what it is, but it's all there. I agree 100%. And that leads to faith. And, and faith is essentially the knowing that tomorrow will be better than today. It's belief in having been born on purpose and with a purpose. You're here on purpose. There's a reason. There's something for you yet to do. And, and even if you're maybe in the, the twilight years of your life, it doesn't matter. Faith is knowing that tomorrow will be better and that you are here on purpose. And you, you're, this is your time. Now is your time right now. And that is the essence of faith. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what's number seven? Ingenuity, which is essentially creativity. You know, just, um, and again, I mean, you can imagine that creativity is, would you rather have a bag of gold or, or creativity? So of course, you'd rather, have, you'd rather be a creative person, somebody who can use ingenuity and design and build and, and imagine something wonderful. Would you ever trade your imagination for a million, two, two million, a billion dollars. I don't know, Absolutely Chris. not. If I had a bag of gold, I could hire people who were pretty ingenious at that point. <laughs> if you lose ingenuity, you will you will be lost and, and we'll find ways to get that money from you, Michael. I promise <laughs> yeah, you. No, that's true. We will take it from that, you quickly. That, that's true. That's true. I mean, that was the... That was the old Henry Ford thing when they, they accused him of being a dim-witted whatever, and he went to court for it, and... Uh, he basically said, you know, I've got all these buttons on my desk, and if I need something and I'm not smart enough to figure it out, I push a button and somebody pops out and tells me what I need to know. That's what I'd like to see. But you're right. you got to have that ingenuity. That's really interesting because they, he did. He took a, a newspaper to court uh, for libel and said because they did say he was ignorant, and he was trying to prove that he wasn't ignorant. And uh, so they were – a whole panel of lawyers were asking him all kinds of complex questions. And that's, you're right. That was in the final analysis. He said, wait a minute, why would I try? Why would I devote my memory to these things when I could push a button and ask any of the world's greatest experts in a heartbeat to come in and answer this question for me? That is ingenuity by definition. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then a heart and soul, which is humanity, you know, investing your heart and soul into whatever it is that you're doing will make you attractive well beyond any sort of marketing campaign. The greatest marketing campaign or the, the multi-million dollar Super Bowl ad can never replace the heart and soul of a company. If it's missing, the company will be going missing in the not too distant future. In your life, using your own humanity, being in touch with who you are is far more than the money you make. Becoming, it's about who you become in the process. It isn't about the money. 
Well, and we've seen that. I mean, we're always we're always pictured the 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 rich and the wealthy as the guys who are twirling. <laughs> They're twirling their mustache. They don't have any humanity, blah, blah, blah. But many of the people that I've met who are multimillionaires, and I've met a lot of people who are multimillionaires who you'd look at them and go, I mean, the guy's wearing Carhartts and bunny boots. You know what I mean? And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just, but his humanity is there or her humanity was there. She, They love people. They do those. You know, they they have a heart. You're not just there. Sure, there's people out there who are doing bad things to get wealthy or bad things to succeed or whatever. But, you know, it's never long lasting in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You meet the most fantastically wealthy people in the world. And they're some of the most humane, not all. But, but some of the most humane people are at least in touch with that, that je ne sais quoi, whatever it is, that X factor of, of humanity uh, is just they're riddled with it. Yeah. I love that expression. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they're riddled it, with it. They're riddled with like it. Scurvy. Well, yeah, like scurvy. They're riddled with scurvy. And, <laughs> they're riddled with scurvy and humanity. That's, a, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Riddled with it. And then finally, uh, according to Jim Rohn, the ninth, trait that is far more valuable than capital personality your charisma a pleasing and genuine personality is worth again far more than any amount of money you could possibly be given or earn because your personality will basically define your life and who you are and you can move mountains a personality the right personality charisma and we've seen this on both for good and for bad personality can move a generation and, and literally move mountains. Well, I had hope that I could accomplish this list right up to the last one, you know, because, uh, <laughs> dang. Right, yes. Yeah. If only Michael Dukes had, a had pers- any sort of personality. Right, if I wasn't just, like, flat as a board, you know, like, dry and boring all the time, it would be. Um, no, this is good stuff. Time, desperation, determination, courage, ambition, faith, ingenuity, humanity, and personality – the nine traits, the things that are more important than money, um, and quite honestly, used in combination, will lead you to whatever success you want, whether it is money or happiness or family or, uh, you know, posterity or popularity or whatever. It's all right there broken down into these nine things. And, and every single one of these is available to every single one of us, and we can improve upon each one. We can invest our time better. We can use desperation because to be frank right now, if you don't feel a certain sense of desperation and I'm not suggesting that any of us should be uh, down or completely depressed or, you know, not trying to be, you know, a, a gray cloud here in the morning, but I am suggesting if you're not feeling a little bit of desperation in the world, you might not be paying attention, right. but use it, use it and, and be, become determined and have courage and ambition and faith and ingenuity. Use your humanity and your heart and soul and, develop a personality beyond where we are today. And even you, Michael Dukes, of a, a great big personality, you still can improve upon each of these nine traits, including your personality, because I, I got to tell you, um, I saw the tip you left the other day. Yeah, and, um, I know. It's I'm horrific, isn't it? Um, you know, it's interesting. Time to me is one of the more important things. I, You know, something I notice when I take – a little time off is especially when I'm able, able to leave town and just kind of shake everything off is that my mind starts working on tracks that it normally doesn't. Cause you know, you're so focused on work or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and right. you're so consumed. And I was inspired on my way down to Homer. I stopped at the Fred Myers or whatever there. And I bought a couple of composition books cause I wanted to write some things down. I wanted to, 
I had ideas that were floating around in my head through that drive. I love to drive. I love window time. And um, and it was making me think, and I was considering it, and that 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 use of time. And then my wife and I were talking about various things that we could do or things that, you know, and, and she's like, but you're so busy and everything else. And I'm like, time is the only thing that I have that I have control of. Maybe I watch an hour's less of uh, TV a week or something and spend doing something like that, or maybe an hour less of whatever, you know, whatever I'm wasting my time on uh, that I – you know, I think of as downtime, but could create more time in the future kind of thing. You know, I, I just think it's so, that was, that was really my whole thing this weekend is that I came away with a lot of different ideas and concepts that I've been working on, uh, in the back of my mind for years. And a lot of them crystallized and gelled this week. And, uh, and, and you're right. I think that is the most important. Number one, definitely is time, uh, and everything else just kind of falls in, you know, behind that. Yeah, I love that. And, and it truly is an investment. And you said wasted, but it's an investment. Even if you're investing, if you look at it that way, I mean, you can invest in a, a high returning dividend paying stock or real estate, or you could invest in something that will be rusted and gone in, in you know, a year. So right. it is an investment either way. And if you look at it like that and you think, wait a minute, this is how the wealthy. This is how the Ray Dalio's of the world. This is how the Warren Buffett of the world think about everything is an investment, including their time. I was just watching an interview with Warren Buffett's daughter the other day. And she said that um, her dad, she can remember from just when she was just a little kid, her dad was constantly reading. However, he always made time to be at the dinner table throughout her entire childhood. Right. He, he invested that time. Um, but if he was reading, you could interrupt him. It wasn't a problem, but he'd be, the reading was an investment of time in the study of what's happening in the world, what has happened in the past and what might happen into the future. And so it's all related to time, but everything grows from there. And, and we have an opportunity to improve upon all nine of these things we just discussed. Chris Story, the man from Homer, author of the book Born to Live, uh, also The Making of Man and The Backyard Millionaire, got his new Backyard Millionaire podcast going, which you can find, I'm sure, links of at ilovehomeralaska.com. Final thoughts, Chris, as we let you go. I, I'm just so thrilled to hear what you said about your, your trip away from your routine and what you discovered, and, and it was all right there with you, but sometimes it is really nice to just get away, even just for a few days, and rediscover what's been sort of maybe dormant inside or just waiting for you. So yeah. congratulations and thanks for having me back on. Well, it's always good to talk with you, my friend, and thanks for being a help uh, a help in my life. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, look forward to talking to you again next week. Okay. Thanks, uh, Michael. All right, folks, we're out of time. we got more coming up. We're going to open lines again in the next segment, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. I didn't ask Chris what he thought about all the stuff that you guys are asking about here. Um, let's see. Somebody asked him what does he think about Gary Stevens. Somebody asked what does he think about the Trump's home being raided by the FBI. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Oh, man, what a hot, 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 hot mess. That's for sure. All right. Um, Jimmy says, depends on the size of the bag. When Chris said, would you like a bag of gold or would you like ingenuity? It, just, it depends on the size of the bag. Like I said, if I had a big enough bag of gold, I could buy me some ingenuity. That's what I'm saying. 
Um, all right. <clears throat> going back, going back, going back. Um, Tawny said, I spoke with Chris by very intriguing discussion. Uh, I think we're going to have Chris on, uh, I've got to confirm with him, but I think we're going to try and have him on tomorrow on the program. Uh, and then we'll follow it up with, uh, with Mike shower, uh, in hour two. Again, uh, Politidic, uh, Mike Shower is going to be on Politidic today at 1 p.m. unfiltered. So make sure you stop in. Uh, make sure you stop in over there on Facebook today at 1 p.m. and you can uh, you can do that there as well. Um, um, bah, 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 bah. I'm still going through here. Um, I still to Daniel, Daniel says, I'm pretty sure that some weirdo mentioned investing time into your fitness a few weeks back. That's true. It's true. And how much time has I invested in my fitness in the last week and a half? About an hour. <laughs> about an hour. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> it was one of the things that I was thinking about this weekend. Uh, because time is, you know... <clears throat> I, okay, so this is not a complaint, all right? I don't want to come. I'm not complaining, but I'm just giving you guys a little insight into what my life is like, right? My my morning starts at 4 a.m., essentially, and then I do the show, and then I start work on my various other things, voice acting, working in my agency, and then, of course, I run two radio stations in Anchorage. And so my day ends when I pull back up in the driveway, usually, about 5.30 or 6 o'clock at night. That's my day. And then I come in and take care of whatever I need before I have dinner. And then I have to, I usually get to bed by about 8.30 or 9 o'clock, right? So that's my day. And so it is, it, sometimes it feels like it's really hard to carve out an extra hour to do something like go for a walk or a run or work out or whatever. But it's something I got to do. I mean, it's not like it's going to slow down. I will say that. <clears throat> These, uh, the last five days really gave me a chance to think about what I want and how I want to change things. So, um, and, uh, yeah, no, I did, I did some walking this weekend. I walked on the beach. I walked around, I walked on the bluff up and down, took some trails, did some things like that. Um, and yeah, it, uh, you know, one hour, three to four days a week says Daniel pay the sweat dragon. Okay. That's called the sweat tax. So, uh, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, I need to do it. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Paying that at paying that, uh, that will pay off dividends in the long run. And it's like Tim, it's like, uh, Tim, it's like, uh, Chris was saying, um, the, uh, you know, time is the one thing we don't have, uh, any, well, actually I was saying it. Time is not something we have any more of. So, uh, I like it. I, like it for sure. <sighs> okay. Um, people should invest in the Hammond bond. He's going on and on about that. Um, uh, scrolling backwards here. Robbie says she likes Hyder better than Homer. I don't know how that is. Of course, I've never been to Hyder, so I guess I don't really have a comparative. Um, State Senator Mike Shower will be talking about the Constitutional Convention on the 20th of August at 11 uh, at the Real Life Church on Palmer, Wasilla Road. This is a go-to event. 
said, um, uh, says Terry. So we'll see if we can get more information on that. Um, uh, scrolling here, see. Uh, I wish the government would remove the, would remove the PFD from them using any of that money to fund the government and giving it to the people it was, as it was designed for. Don't we all, Chris? Don't we all wish that they use the money for the PFD for what it was designed for? That's uh, that's it right there. Too many touchy peepy people. Too many touchy feely people at Homer said said uh, Jeremy. There are a few there. Yeah. Uh, and Steve says, who was the philosopher that Chris was, Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn. He was a business speaker and, uh, uh, you know, kind of a business guy, philosopher, 12 minutes a day of exercise will make an hour a week. Well, I need a little bit more than 12 minutes, but I'm with you, Sandy. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio. Okay, <clears throat> you ready? Well, I suppose we should uh, pull back the shades here and drop the phone lines open again to see what you guys have to say. Um, at 907-433-3150, Pivotel call in line. Phone lines are open right now. If you'd like to sound off, we got folks out on Facebook uh, right now hanging out with us and YouTube and Twitch. Got all kinds of folks uh, being part of the show today. Feel free to uh, feel free to come on out and uh, join us in the chat rooms at any of those locations. And don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. That way you can always be part of the show. Uh, no matter what, you'll get notifications when we go live and everything else. It's so good. It's so good. All right. Um, Chris has made me thoughtful again. He has a tendency to do that. Um, Chris is one of my good friends, and uh, we were eating lunch uh, on Friday, I guess it was. Friday, we were eating lunch. And, um, you know, I've just, I'm very grateful for him for bringing this perspective to the show and talking about different things, uh, going back to his nine, um, going back to his nine things that are more important than capital money, time, desperation, determination, courage, ambition, faith, ingenuity, humanity, and personality. All of those are important for sure. But time, time is one that as I get older, I realize Maybe it's because that I'm, you know, you're rapidly, you're approaching the end. Uh, and of course, I'm a long ways away from the end. But as you get older, especially when you pass that 50 mark, you start to realize that uh, things are going faster and faster. I remember when I was a kid um, and, uh, you know, as a teenager, how the summers used to feel like they just, they lasted forever, Right. I mean, you were a kid, you didn't have a job, you were, you know, right, you were out of school. 
and that 10, 12, 13 weeks of, of, uh, of summertime just seemed to last forever. And these days, it's like two months goes by in a blink, you know? Um, and it is, uh, you're just like, you're there. I mean, the summer's over. Here we are, August the 9th today. And it feels like fall for many of us out there. I heard again, it was snow in Fairbanks this morning. Somebody said it snowed up there in Fairbanks and parts of Fairbanks. But we've got to take that time and we've got to use it wisely. Um, And if there's anything that I came away with from this weekend in my period of self-reflection, and I had a big, deep period of self-reflection, there's no doubt about it, that I need to start using my time a little more wisely in uh, and making my off time or my spare time a little more productive than I have been. And so of all the nine things that were more important than money, that's the one that stuck out to me today more than anything else. So I don't know what you got out of it. Maybe you can tell me what you got out of Chris's. I always get something out of it. Sometimes it's not what he intended, but it's something that I came away with that I felt pretty good about. So feel free to dial us up at 907-433-3150. This hour of the program being brought to you by our friends at Satellite West. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. Over to the phones we go. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, good, good morning, Michael. This is Cindy calling from Sterling. Hello, Cindy from Sterling. What's on your mind? Hey, um, I'm just calling to follow up on um, the, the lady um, from Kodiak that talked about the state's uh, hours and such. Right. And while I... Um, I'm a former state employee. I was not a lousy one. I was an excellent one, but well, I, I, um, they're not all you know, lousy, Cindy. Really re- we got to say that. <laughs> no, First no, of all, no, not exactly. all state employees are no, lousy no, or lazy, right? Yeah, no. Um, one thing that's been really refreshing talking to Charlie Pierce is, um, he, he's listening to people and, um, I gave him several examples of various ways that the state can look at um, being more efficient and um, you know and I was a I was I was a manager but not in a a leadership of of the state position right and it's interesting because um, it's a it's a different um, feel I have um, communicating with him than communicating with some of the other uh, candidates and stuff and um, I guess, you know, if you go on the state's website today and you look at, like, um, what positions are open, one of the most um, critical positions that are open in the state are child um, protection officers, or, right. or they're called protective service specialists. Right. And those are the, those are the positions that, that, that go out and they investigate babies child in need of aid cases, neglect, abuse. Um, they follow through with the family, try to reunite them. Um, it, I mean, there's just a mirage of things. And the turnover rate in that position is upwards to like 70%, I Oof. think. Um, and it's because, um, you know, the system's funked. It's a bad system. But, and, you know, you can't pay people enough to, to do that day in and day out. Right. And, um, I mean, granted, you know, the benefits are wonderful, 
But, you know, and so, um, you know, I, I think as we go into this election season and all that sort of stuff is, and Charlie's one of the only, Charlie is the only person that returned my calls about child protection. And it is a critical, critical yeah. um, uh, problem in this state. There's 3,000 kids in state custody in the state of Alaska. Right. If you go on the state of Alaska's website and you see that, um, that those are children out of their homes for one reason or another. It's uh, neglect, abuse, or they're in foster care. And that's the other thing is we, we don't have enough foster parents. And uh, they're the unsung heroes of the state because they do take in these children. But um, <laughs> I just want uh, Charlie, to realize Charlie's that listening. these are questions yeah. that should be answered. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. absolutely. And Charlie is listening, and I'm glad to hear that, Cindy. Thank you for calling in. Um, I'm sorry, I got one more call here I think I can get to before I run out of time. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. This is Terry calling from Wasilla. Good morning, Terry. Quickly. Um, this is off the rails, but last night I went to a fundraiser for McCabe Shower. All of the people that were there were 60-plus years old. Um, somehow we've got to get our younger people involved and yeah. interested in our elections. And I don't know how to do it, but yeah. hopefully other people can come up with some ideas. So just throwing that out there, we got to get the younger ones involved. I agree, Terry. It's one of the reasons why I do things like Facebook and everything else now, trying to attract some of those younger people into it. It's important. You're right. An aging demographic. We can't we can't keep at it. Folks, we're out of time. We got to go. Tomorrow's another day. Be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you. Terry, I, again, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that is a uh, it's a critical thing, and it's something that we need to we need to work on. Uh, but it's showing more and more that many of the millennials and the younger generations, the iGen or whatever you want to call them, they're disenfranchised by what they're seeing in the news. They're frustrated, and they don't even want to participate in a lot of ways, which is frustrating for me. But um, you're right, you're right, a hundred percent. It's something we need to do. All right. Well, thank you um, for coming on board, my friends. We will see you tomorrow. I hope you have a great day. I know you're going to have a great day. Live well, be kind, love one another. We'll see you then.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.